1: some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration.
2: The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that.
1: You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game podcast network.
3: All right, the next episode of Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. Uh, Glad to have you along for the ride, but not necessarily glad with the way things have been going for the Giants of late. Look, it's a good time to dive in and talk about this because they've lost four in a row. The Padres series. You know, it's one thing when you're looking at Friday night's game and you got uh, you know, you got a four-four tie late, and then you, you know, you get the late Wilmer hit. Like the Giants really battled there. And obviously Saturday was a one run game as well. Um, but in the end, you know, you you got hammered. You you got hammered by a team that is filled with stars that were peppering the alleys the, the entire weekend. And, and the giants don't have that. So, so here we are again, Joe, It's they're 22 and 18, but we're, we're having the same conversation, which is are the giants in a position of lack because they do not have the high priced offensive player.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I, I think there's going to be always that, that, Overcorrection from the fan base, like when you lose and you get swept by a team that has gone out and been very aggressive in free agency. I think natural inclination after seeing a four hit day from Machado is oh my God, we don't have one of them. We don't have a $300 million guy. And I'm guilty of this. I just found myself thinking. Like, this is about as low as I feel like the Giants will be this week and or this year, you know, this particular week that we're in right now. You look at the schedule. Yeah, you got the Mets. After that, it eases up a little. Yes, you get the Dodgers in June, but you've got some more winnable games. I feel like right now they've reached a spot where they're missing guys in the lineup, Brandon Belt. Their pitching isn't very good. And when you don't hit over a two-day stretch, it feels boring. And so yesterday I'm sitting on the couch and I'm saying – it felt very boring, but that felt more like a byproduct of not putting the ball in play. It's
3: interesting. The conversation is always twofold. A, would the Giants win more if they had the high priced offensive players? It's kind of hard to say yes, quite frankly, over the last two years, because they've won a truckload of games. Yes. And so it's like, you mean if Juan Soto was on this team? They would have won 117 last year instead of 107. So I'll never buy that aspect. But the second piece of the argument or conversation is what you just brought up. And this is where I always try to listen to fans. Because in the end, this is A, a a team that's trying to win games. But B, it is an entertainment outlet. And therefore, I think the Giants do need to listen at least with an open mind when people say that the team is boring here's where I will I don't want to say clap back but I'll further the question Mm because you say that the Giants are boring at least when they don't hit what if I said all baseball is boring when they don't hit and what if I said were they boring last year because they didn't have any big time offensive players last year either
2: No, they didn't last year, but they played a compelling brand of baseball top to bottom in that lineup. And it felt like I was getting a lot of outlier seasons, career years, if you will, for a lot of guys. I think a lot of this stems with missing out in free agency. And I also think Brandon Belt's absence is a big part of this. He's the best hitter on the Giants, uh, like in terms of power bats that they have. When he was healthy earlier this year, he was having an MVP like impact. Granted, it was a small sample size. And the fact that he got hurt again, it's like, oh, here we go. And it felt like right when I started to wrap my arm around Brandon Belt as being like, hey, you know what? This guy's turned the corner. This is now who he is moving forward. An impact, middle-of-the-order guy. He goes down, and all those feelings of you don't have enough around him start to really come to the surface. So I think it's a combination of things right now. But it's not just the hitting. Mark, they're not pitching either. Yeah.
3: And that's the big concern, which we'll get to in, in a little bit for sure. Cause I think there's some things to, to work through on that front. Um, but whenever we have this conversation and, and maybe this is going to sound weird for a moment, but I'll explain it. Yeah. You want to know who's, whose name pops into my mind? Pablo Sandoval. And I'll tell you why. Pablo Sandoval is the last player on this team that had a presence in the stands whenever he came to the plate. That's a good call. God love Buster Posey. Um, and 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 I'm sure a lot of people have Buster Posey jerseys, but you all know what I mean when I say that that never felt like that. It never felt like uh, a Tatis or a Machado mm. coming to the plate. He was steady Eddie and he was everything to this organization. But Pablo had people wearing fur caps and, and pandas and all this stuff all over their head. It had the kids. Kids were running around with their Pablo hats and uh, their panda hats. And, and so there was a reaction in the stands. And it's a fair point to me to say uh, a baseball team, especially in the day and age where we talk so much about attracting young fans, yeah, needs that. They need a player that makes people want to put on a hat or put on a jersey or wait for them to come up. I've got family in Southern California who are angels fans.
2: I'm so glad you're
3: bringing this up. They, they're, they're angels fans and the angels stink traditionally over the last few years, but obviously they've got, they've got this show, uh pun intended goes <laughs> it, it up and makes you feel different. And yeah. almost, I would, a perfect baseball team would be to combine the smarts of the giants and the star power of the angels And you'd get actually a team that could compete with the Los Angeles Dodgers.
2: Well, I I think you're kind of hitting on the head for me because on a day where I'm watching the number three overall pick from San Diego shine the left hander. I'm watching our number two overall pick continue to struggle even though he hit a ball really hard on the nose. It's like that's what I'm gripped for. Hey, look at least he made contact and hit a liner out to center field. It's just those things juxtapose and then I go to the MLB network and I'm flipping around and boom Shohei Ohtani Mike Trout. I look over St. Louis, I care more about their corner infield than I do my own entire roster right now. I look at the LA Dodgers and top to bottom, even though guys aren't necessarily clicking left and right, they've got players I care about. The Yankees on fire, Toronto on fire. I know people think baseball's boring, but I look at other teams around the bigs and and I covet their lineups. And I don't know, maybe it's just the appeal of me not knowing them on a day-to-day basis. I, I don't know what it is. I look at my team and I just feel very vanilla right now.
3: Well, here's why it matters this year and it didn't matter last year. Because if you are a baseball fan, again, I'm with you. You need someone who has a presence in the stands. But yeah. so if you're going to go out there and win 107 games and be in first place, then you don't really have much to complain about but last year this team was amazing not only against bad teams but against good teams yeah this year's team is not the records are clear they are 7 and 13 against teams uh that have a a record above 500 Mm -hmm. they're 15 and 5 against teams that have a record under 500 so getting fat on the bad teams is the definition of being a good team However, fair point this year to say, even if this team gets to the playoffs, do they have the horses to compete when they get out there in a playoff series with the Padres, Dodgers, Brewers or Mets? So far this year, the answer is no.
2: Yeah. And I also think this team strikes out a lot. And so like baseball in general, they strike out a lot when the ball's not in play. It does feel boring, doesn't it? Like, I'm looking right now. Jock Peterson, who I thought would fill some of that Pablo void. Four for his last 42. That's a 0.95 batting average. 11 Ks. Crawford, 11 for his last 56. A 195 average. 19 Ks in the last 15 days. So, like, you know, as much as I want to see bombs and I want to see guys hit doubles, just put the ball in play. I'm sick of watching strikeouts. Well, you know, it crystallizes with that Friday night game.
3: Yes. Jock comes up to pinch it, and you're going, okay, they're down, you know, but maybe Jock will put one in the bay. Yeah. And you're going to have one of those moments. And instead, he draws a walk, which was great because yeah. it led to Wilmer Flores fisting one out to left field. <laughs> a Texas made the game. But again, I know what you're saying, which is, man, the kids want to go home with did you see them hit the ball in the bay? Mm-hmm. Not did you work a walk so somebody could pop a jam shot out to left field and tie the game and send it into extra innings.
2: Look, I love Yastrzemski or Luis Gonzalez at bat as much as the next guy. The kids ain't leaning forward for Yass and his normal at-bats. Though I'll give you this. Nine for his last 21, five RBIs, 429. If you're looking for a lone bright spot, Mike Yastrzemski from 2019 and 2020 feels like he's coming back in 2022. That's the one thing I'll cling to positive in this first segment.
3: No doubt. And, of course, he had the last really sort of like hit that felt like it had some thump to it when he broke the 6-6 tie in Colorado last week with a long home run that led to a victory. With Joe Shasky, it's Mark Willard. This is Garlic Fries and Baseball, guys. And if you like what you're hearing, then we invite you to subscribe And hang out for a while here on the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. we got two episodes coming at you every single week.
0: It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: You mentioned it a little bit earlier too. Uh, we're in, a, in the habit. I think uh, ever since they moved to third and King, this is a team that needs to pitch before it can hit. It's a pitcher's ballpark and that's how they're going to, to make their money. The year started off and we're looking at the bullpen bullpen looked like the roles were already defined and you had a starting rotation that felt like it had depth and it had that thump at the top between Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon Webb is coming back. Mm -hmm. Like he's been after a few wonky starts, he's been fine. He's been good. And Rodon has not been bad either, but the dominance of the first month of the season has fallen off as well. But man, when you go into the depth uh, chamber, it's, it's just not there. Some of the pitching
2: numbers right now, I, I mean, you have to say, are a concern. When you looked at April, Mark, you're coming out of April as a whole. You're like, wow, Giants are leading the league in X, Y, Z categories in terms of pitching. We're now two months in. All right. We're, we're almost at the end of May here. They have the 24th best team ERA. Not good. That means they've had a bad month of May. 25th whip. Not good. They've given up the third most hits in baseball right now. All right. Then they have the 27th best batting average against. That means they're getting hit a lot. Now, they aren't giving up a lot of runs, but the ball is being put in play on them inordinately more than it was in the month of April. And I think the guy you referenced, Rodon, this is where I'm getting a little worried because he was brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant in April. 3-0, a one one seven ERA in May. Flip it. One in three, a 5'82 ERA, 25 hits given up, almost a 300 batting average against. Now, the St. Louis game was an outlier bad game where he had to stay out there for a long time, but it's now four starts and it's looked a little shaky. I'm a little worried about him. And I think besides Webb and, and Rodon, they just don't have a lot of consistency right now in that starting rotation because of the injuries.
3: I mean, one side of this, it could also say you do mention that it's an outlier game. For Rodon in St. Louis, he gives up eight runs. Mm -hmm. In all three of his other starts in the month of May, he only gave up two. He gave up two runs in in, in each of those games. Not quite as dominant, sure. He didn't give up two runs in any of his starts in the first month. He gave up one or zero every time, so we got a little spoiled. But he has still been what you would consider solid. He's kept his team in the game, giving them a chance to win. I, you know, you lose a two to one ball game. Got he got, he got Matt Caned. I know he got Matt Caned on Saturday. And so I, maybe we're also suffering from what we saw in April being so dominant. That's fair. But, but now are we sitting here looking at a start where you give up two runs in six innings and we're not satisfied with it?
2: Well, it yes, that is absolutely true. And it, it felt like, oh, you gave him up, Giants aren't going to recover. It felt like one of those kind of days. And uh, whatever that guy's name is, 44 Musgrove or Musgrave, Musgrove. he's outstanding. I think he's won eight of his last ten starts um, for the Padres. Their pitching was really good this weekend, and they had very good situational at-bats. In that game Saturday, Yaz yeah, with the big hit, it just felt like they couldn't punch through, and you're right. I feel like I've seen that episode 10,000 times before. And then Friday night, which we haven't brought up, we were talking about Duval on Thursday, you and I. This is now the second time Duval's blown one legitimate save opportunity. The other two times that he's looked bad is in tie game situations, either in the ninth or 10th inning. He inherits the, the, the ghost runner, and it just <sighs> – I don't know. It that situation he's going to have to get better at. Like, I, I can't really talk my way out of it. I feel bad for the guy, but them's the breaks. That's baseball now in 2022. You got to find a way to get outs.
3: Yeah. Well, and 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 again, it's uh you, you have a power pitcher um who is in a situation where you almost want to like if they want to ground the ball to the right <laughs> side and move the runner over to third, like do that as opposed to I'm going to come right after a big time hitter. He's going to rocket it into the gap. And now you have that runner on second again with no one out and a run is already in. So I look, I I get it. This is an age old conversation. When you bring a closer into a non-closer situation, do they look the same? Exactly. Uh, Not necessarily. I look at it a different way, man. The Padres caught my eye this weekend. Um, they look fantastic. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't just the weekend in San Francisco. If you look at their whole road trip, I think they went seven and two. Uh, they played some really good teams and they played really well. I know that they were good in the first two months of the year last year, and then they fell off. But in watching this game or these games this weekend, thinking back to the first time the Padres were in town and how they showed, you know, even though I find it misguided, yeah, they showed some rivalry pop I think the Padres are finally starting to look like a team that's managed by Bob Melvin. this team now, right? For three years, they've been really talented, but they've always had a really young manager, you know, who is like feeling his way through the situation. To me, they look now like a team that's being run by someone that has some gravitas. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you know, it's a problem for the Giants because I think the Padres are going to be this year what people thought they were going to be last year.
2: That's a really good point. I mean, it feels like Machado is now their unequivocal leader, with Tatis on the shelf right now, and that's the scary thing. If you're a Giants fan, they're doing this without Tatis. Without Tatis, you know, and that's the part that's really frustrating. Machado's a stud, and it, Jerks and Profar had a hell of a weekend. We can get to the fan stuff from Friday night because nobody likes that stuff. But Profar is making plays. I mean, even Will Myers hitting the ball hard, and this is where I think complimentary offense, whether it be Saturday, whether it be late in the game, Friday night. And then complementary defense, they just haven't been on the same page at the same time. Ruff boots a ball. Wilmer Flores boots a ball. Crawford boots a ball. You know, uncharacteristic defensive mistakes from this team in just bad timing situations. Like, it's just not all on the same page. Let's go there for a second. I'm glad you brought that up. The fan situation with Jerickson
3: Profar. Uh, this is bumming me out. This Dude. is the second time this year that the fans at Oracle Park have really disappointed me. The first time is kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, You're out there doing the wave, and that's a tradition and a conversation that we have in San Francisco where some of us are actually bothered by it and other people tell those people to stop being so fuddy-duddy and all of that. And we had fun with it when it happened a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I legitimately hate it. I legitimately hate it, but I also legitimately realize it's not the end of the world. If you want to go out there and be a non-traditional Yahoo at a Giants game, God bless you. You bought a ticket. This is different. Throwing stuff on the field. And I understand that Profar, you know, where it all started. He threw a ball into the stands. He missed his mark. What have you. He's trying to do something nice, actually, yes. for a fan at the ball game. At a certain point, this is where rivalries get lost on me. Like, if a ball player throws a ball to a kid, I actually don't even care if you wear a Dodger uniform. Like, let that kid have that moment. Do not ever get yourself into a situation where you're throwing stuff on the field at players. And then the fact that it just snowballed and went on for a period of innings to where players are now in the dugout talking about this, asking for security, being asked about it after the game, that's ridiculous. This has always been a wonderful, wonderful baseball town. And the fact that at that crown jewel of a ballpark, this is a conversation we're happening is awful to me. It's, it's, it's absolutely, it hurts my heart that people are out there doing that at the ball game. They they should know better than that.
2: You know, I, Mark, I think I speak for the both of us. When I say this, just because you buy a ticket, it does not grant you immunity to do whatever you want at a game. You know, it's, Fan behavior has gotten out of control. I thought after the great reset, you know, 2020 and no fans, I thought that we would learn our lesson, take a deep breath and realize how absurd kind of things had gotten over the last couple of years in terms of fan behavior, when it comes to going to sporting events, if you run on the field, if you throw something at one of these players, if you're cussing, you know, like crazy around all the people around you, this is a very simple one. You're banned for five years. No questions about it. Any sporting event across the board. You got to be so over the top. And if you throw something like a beer bottle onto the field, I have no problem with banned for life. Like, to me, you lose the privilege of being able to go to games. Now, we have all the, the digital, I guess, what is it, uh, capabilities to be able to find out who does do these things. Prosecute these people to the fullest because, to me, it is felony assault. I mean, this guy's playing the game and you are inserting yourself and throwing something that could seriously hurt not just the fans, but the guy in the field.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's certain spots in life where we decide the rules don't apply, Uh, you know, like adult clubs. I've never got it. It's like you're not allowed to go in there and all of a sudden you're not married anymore, okay? So you're not allowed to go into the ballpark and decide – that stuff you would never do. You would never do this in your life. And it's I know so you're encouraged by alcohol and all of that. But can you imagine, like, just think about throwing a baseball at somebody who's not looking, would you do this anywhere in your life and you back this in your mind because they're wearing a different uniform and because you're rooting against them? It's just weird, man. It's weird stuff that comes out at, at weird times.
2: And that's why we want to speak yeah. to it, because it just... It can't be well, and It's embarrassing. You and I are Giants fans. We live in this community. This is a representation, sadly, of our community. And the sad part is it's 1% of 1% of fans. We're, we're not talking about the whole entire fan base, but yet this is now representative of our community and it's unnecessary, disgusting, and has no place in our society.
3: We want to have a conversation about the Brandons. I know they always grab everyone's attention. We'll do that here in just a second. Before we get there, I want to let you know that with Joe Shasky, I'm Mark Whithin, and you're listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Make sure you are subscribed. Share the podcast with your friends and family as well. Hey, Rob
1: Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best –
3: Okay, the Brandons. When I say that right now, what comes to mind?
2: Well, I I feel bad for Brandon Belt. That's my number one thing, because I think a lot of people – Crawford's a separate story, but I think with, with, with Brandon Belt specifically, a lot of people like myself finally came around to embracing Brandon Belt, and now he gets hurt again and and i just feel for him when you get a cortisone shot in the knee i've talked to a lot of different athletes over the years that's supposed to alleviate the pain you're supposed to feel much better for a good amount of time the fact that he feels horrible still that is a bad bad sign i feel like his season might be in jeopardy and i feel legitimately bad for him cuz he was crushing when he was healthy early in the season
3: yeah he was crushing in early in the season obviously his year while somewhat shortened last year I still feel like is undersold. I still feel like people do not realize what he did last year and the effect it had in the playoffs that he was out. Absolutely. I also understand and, 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 you know, I don't always think it's fair, but I understand how fans act when somebody is repeatedly hurt. You know, we've watched it in, in, in all aspects of sports. Um, The 49ers say it's why they're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo you start to hear people talking about it with George Kittle and how often he's hurt. We have this conversation for years with Jimmy Ward and, and and Brandon belt Mm -hmm. is now one of these guys who, you know, you're not going to get 150 games out of Brandon belt. Last year you got 29 home runs and he only played, I think in 104 baseball games. So he was just an elite, elite baseball player last year. Um, I don't think it's fair. The way we pin guys as injury prone or not able to stay healthy but uh, listen, if you can't play, then it puts your team in a very hamstrung spot. And it's fair to now ask if we sort of, did we fall into a repetitive trap? I don't necessarily know how you're out of it, but let's think about this with the Brandons. A few years ago, yeah. they're coming off World Series victories. They get big contracts. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, well, of course. Well, they're amazing. They. yeah. And then a few years later, everyone's like, you idiots. You signed into these contracts. You got to get rid of them. And right as you're ready to get rid of them, both of them have an amazing season, 107 wins. What are the Giants to do? They're going to bring them both back again. And now here we are just 40 games later. It's sort of starting to feel like it did before again, where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, now Belt's only on a one-year pop, but Crawford got two. And so now you're, you're watching him sort of look like we thought he was going to look and knowing that he is in theory or shortstop again next year. It, it just feels like a cycle. I don't know if I really have the answer, but it, like you, the team did what you wanted him to do at the time. And you're going to have to live with some of this stuff when it happens the following year.
2: So Crawford's an interesting one for me because I <laughs> – I really don't care about the batting average. Like, I know everyone's losing their minds about his batting average. I'm just a little worried about his glove right now. He's got five errors on the team. He leads the team in assists, which you expect from Brandon Crawford and any shortstop on a team. It's There's a couple of plays where he's going to make errors because he gets to so many balls, and so many balls are being hit up the middle. He, he missed one the other day. It was an Ole. And I was like, man, I never see him Olay the ball, you know? And that's where I got a little worried, like, what's going on here? But here's what I'll cape up for Brandon. You got to have some veterans who everyone respects in that clubhouse. You can't just have a bunch of young guys and no veteran leadership. And that guy has pelts on the wall. Like I love Darren Ruff. Darren Ruff ain't got no pelts on the wall in terms of being a big leaguer and being established. Brandon Crawford knows what it means to put on that Giants jersey. So if I have to pay him one extra year when I know he's just going to stink outright, and I don't think he will, but like just absolutely dreadful. All right, I'll listen to it. Go around baseball. Yeah, his 220 average stinks. So does the rest of baseball. Oh yeah. I mean, the rest of baseball has bad averages. He just, he's so streaky. I expect him to turn it around, and I think he's going to get hot in June. I'm willing to bank on Crawford's June. But the glove is a little worrisome. Listen, when players get old, it happens fast.
3: It happens fast. And I'm not saying that's what's going on here. It's too early to say that. But uh, when it happens, it happens fast, and you often do not see it coming. I mean, how did we feel last week in Game 7 watching Chris Paul run around against the Dallas Mavericks, all of a sudden, everyone's like, wow, he is really <laughs> 37 years old, like all of the sudden. Yeah. So it can happen fast, and, and we'll see if that, that plays out here. But I'm with you in that if this team does get to the playoffs, you're going to need some people there. I know that all, all these guys you know, yeah. did their five games against the Dodgers last year. But people who have had real playoff success, this is a guy who hit a grand slam in a wild card game. You know what I mean? Like, that that's going to matter and be something. Here's the other side of this combo between these two guys though, that really worries me. And it's not, it's not to point at Brandon belt and talk about the injury. It's to express concern the way this team feels when he's not on the field, whether he's playing great or not. We talk about guys who have presence when that ball gets thrown over to first base and belts there, there is a comfort as a fan that is unmatched Mm -hmm. the ball can be low the ball can be high it can be wide whatever brandon's got this and this is why and he leans into it and makes it a joke this is why he's running around with a captain's hat because if there's one person in this organization that just can walk onto the field and make you feel like okay we got a few things taken care of by their presence Buster was that way. He's gone for me. It's now Brandon belt. So defensively and offensively, even though it may bore you to tears that he just draws the hell out of a walk. That means something to this team. They've always said they value what he does well and what he does. Well, he does very, very well. And when he's out, the team looks very, very different to me. And, and so that's my concern. If this lingers.
2: You know, it's interesting you brought up the the lineup for Brandon Belt and like where he positions himself because I keep going back to I look at Crawford when he's batting in the three, four, five hole, and I'm like, ah, he's miscast there. He's just so miscast there. And then last year, when you had Posey and you had Chris Bryant down the stretch and Darren Ruff, oh, it was great having Brandon Crawford as a six or seven hitter and Brandon Belt as a fifth or or sixth hitter, right? Everything fit properly when you don't have those other two pieces and you're moving everyone up in the lineup. You're asking those guys to hit in a spot they're not accustomed to and they're ill-equipped to do it. And that's where I feel like my own expectations become recalibrated, expecting too much from them. And I don't think it's their fault. Like, right now, they don't have a three-hitter. I I love Yaz. I don't think he's a traditional three-hitter. They don't really have a cleanup hitter. You know, they miss Posey. So I I feel like the two of them miss those other two guys I referenced maybe more than anyone else in the lineup. Well, you just said it. You just said the three words, the Miss Posey. Oh. So,
3: the trickle down effect yeah. when you've got one presence in your lineup that's out, and everybody else has to move around. And then if there's an injury or two, and Belt and Wade go out, and now all of a sudden everybody's miscast. So when you know, it's a better time. We 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 addressed this three weeks ago. It's time to do it again when you look at taking Buster Posey out of the middle of that lineup, you're replacing him with someone that you're hiding in the ninth hole mm-hmm. on often, you know, on many nights. Not, yep. not all of them. I know Casali's playing more and more. But a lot of nights, you're replacing him with someone you're hiding in the nine hole who can't even put the ball in play. The trickle-down effect that that creates, now you got to put someone else in the three mm-hmm. hole or the four hole or the five hole, and then they get hurt. And, and, and all of a sudden, you end up, with what does not feel like any middle of the order at all. And you can have a ton of guys with a great eye and, and, you know, being put in a good analytic position, but it just, it quickly gets to a spot where you're asking too much of certain players.
2: You know, I know everything feels so doom and gloom right now, Mark. I just got this feeling This week is about as low as we're going to feel, and they're going to somehow find a way to right the ship. They've got winnable games in June. They've got winnable games coming up. I know the Mets is the next series. It's going to be daunting. They feel like a playoff-level team. They've got some injured pitching right now. I just – I feel like they're not as bad as they've looked the last couple of weeks, and I have a feeling they're going to look better, and I think we're going to be feeling different. And I also think at some point – and I know Ramos hasn't performed well at AAA – They're going to call up a couple of these youngsters, and I think we're going to get a taste. Um, By the way, keep in mind, and the Giants in this moment, they have moved into uh,
3: the sixth seed, if you will, for the moment. Mm -hmm. They're a half game out of the five seed, but they, at this moment, they're still in the playoff chase and have a a two-and-a-half game lead (laughs) on the next team. So I'm actually not that stressed. I already told you I think I know who the six playoff teams are, And and, and they'll rally back. But my concern in this moment, way too early to have it, is can they compete when they get there? Yeah. And,
2: uh, That's and, a and fair right question. now,
3: they're going to have to show some different stuff before it feels like they can.
2: Last year was totally different, but didn't you say the same thing last year early on? No. Like, you know, ah, we'll see when it counts. Well, can you beat the Dodgers? You can't do it. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting to see it. I actually think that they're going to get a little life-breathed into them against the Mets. For some reason, I feel like they're going to play high-quality baseball this week. I, I've just, I have no data to support it other than my gut. I'm going bochi on you. Uh, big series because it's three against the Mets, and then it is a lengthy
3: 10-game road trip. Not that the teams they're playing are good. Cincy, Philly, Miami, but it's a long trip. So I think important three-game series against the Mets. And we will next talk to you after that series is all done. For Joe Shasky, Mark Willard, please subscribe to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys.